you are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. We are in our second week of our series, Love Song. Woo! And we are going through the book, two people, we are going through the book of Song of Solomon. It's written by a man named King Saul. Interesting fact about King Saul. His daddy was uh, King David. And, and King David, he loved writing songs. And so Solomon liked writing songs like his dad. We read in 1 Kings that Solomon wrote a thousand and five songs. That's a lot of songs. And, and, but, but what we're looking at, the book of Songs of Solomon, probably a better translation is Song of Songs. So out of all the 1,500 songs that Solomon wrote, uh, this is the cream of the crop. This is like the best song that he wrote. And we're, we're spending the next few weeks diving through this book verse by verse. And uh, last week we looked at the art of attraction, how we can be attracted, um, how we can be attractive. Uh, this week we're, we're going to be talking about dating and relationships. And, and so you don't, if you're married here, don't tune out. I promise that there's something for you in it. Uh, next week we're actually going to be taking a break. We're doing our five and five, which is if you've never been around for that it's amazing. We have five different communicators. They're all given five minutes to talk on the, uh, the theme of God's love. And so you don't want to miss next week. And then the following week, we're going to be looking uh, at, uh, we're, we're going to jump back into the book of Song of Solomon. And we're going to uh, look at the wedding day, but also the wedding night. Come on. Yeah. So guys, mark your calendar for that one. It's going to be spicy. And... Um, and, and so right after that, they're, they're, uh, right after their wedding night, uh, it goes into conflict. <laughs> so they go to like honeymoon, the conflict, hello. And, um, and so we're going to look at how, how do we respond to conflict in our relationship, uh, relationships, and not just marriage, not just dating, but just day-to-day relationships. And then finally, we're going we're gonna to conclude with how we can love others well, how we can love others the best way. And uh, Song of Solomon, or Song of Songs, uh, chapter 1, and the first three verses, is really the the theme uh, verse for our series. Uh, And it says this, this is a Solomon Song of Songs, more wonderful than any other. It starts off with this, kiss me and kiss me again, your love is sweeter than wine. And so basically, uh, there's three characters, there's Solomon, there's the woman, and then there's like... Uh, the, the ladies like entourage that, that are just basically, they're like, hey girl, like that's kind of like their role in, in, in this book. And so this is, this is the woman speaking. She, she's talking about Solomon. She's saying, Solomon, there is something in the way that you love people that is amazing. There, there's something in the way that you respond to people that is just so encouraging. And she goes on to say this. How pleasing is your fragrance. Your name is like the spreading fragrance of scented oils. And, and basically she's saying this, Solomon, that when you walk into a room, people notice that you're there. And that's really the, the goal for this series is that we can learn to love so well, that we can learn to have relationships so good that when we walk into the room, people are like, oh man, so-and-so's here. 
The, the, something, this idea that when we walk into the room, like our presence, the sweetness, the way that we love people, the way that we react and respond to people, that, that people notice because we're loving well. And so uh, we, we set some ground rules last week if you weren't here. Uh, and so there's three ground rules of, of this series that, that we have to just make sure that we are all on the same page. Here, here's the first one. Uh, first ground rule is listen for yourself and not for someone else. It's very uh, typical in a relationship series that when, some, when we're talking about relationships, like we, we don't think about us. We're thinking about the person next to us. We're like, oh, he better write that down. She better take notice of that one. And so, but we don't, want, we don't want you to do that. We want you to listen for yourself because we think that if you can become better, then it just changes everything around you. And, and so I actually had a couple of people last week. They didn't really follow rule number one. They came up to me and they're like, hey, I'm really glad you said that she needed to hear that. I'm like, come on, man. I had a, so she came up, she's like, hey, I'm really glad that you said that because uh, he needed to hear that. And so we don't want to hear it for other people. We want to hear it for ourselves. Here's the, uh, the second ground rule is this idea that, um, that we look ahead, that we look ahead. It's very easy when you're reading the text in the Bible. It's very easy to, to see scripture and, and, and to be like, oh, I already failed there. I already messed up in that way. I, I, I already, I totally just botched that, 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 uh, that issue, that thing. And it's very easy to become discouraged in those moments. But what we're trying to do is understand that Jesus makes all things new. Come on. And, and so that this, this idea that, that if I allow Jesus to, to, to wash away my, my yesterday, that I can go full steam ahead Focusing on what God has for me, not from the past, not even present, but going forward, knowing that he has something for me and it's good. Come on, I don't care if you've been divorced 17 times. We're going to get this one right, okay? Like, we're, we're, we're going to make it work. And so, uh, and here's the third one. The third ground rule is this. Um, Song of Solomon or Song of Songs is, is a very, again, very uh, graphic, if you will, um, uh, uh, text. And, and so I, I say that because I want you to know that I'm not holding back any punches, that this is a PG-13 type series. And so if you have someone under 12, under 13 that you're like, I don't know if I want him to, to, to learn about dating or relationships or sex, like, you, you know, some of y'all weren't even looking. I said sex. You're like, ha, <laughs> And so, uh, but it's all going to be tasteful. It's all going to be done for, uh, with, with understanding how God created everything. Y'all ready for week two of it? Okay. And so, um, so I'm going to pray. And uh, just looking over, making sure I got everything. And uh, we're going we're gonna to go get into it. So, Father, we love you. God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for what you're doing for who you are. God, I pray that right now, the next couple moments, that, that you would just help us uh, get something from today, God, that we would leave change, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, come on, everyone said, amen, amen. So the other uh, two summers ago, we were living with my in-laws, and they have this, uh, in their garage, tucked away on the side, there is this uh, blue snow sled 
that they had. And it was just, it was just there. No one ever touched it. It was about summertime. And, uh, and we were going to go to the beach to go down sand dunes and just have some fun. And my son looked at the snow sled and he said, Dad, um, can we take this with us to the beach? I was like, no. It's like, why would, why would we take that? It's meant for the snow. We're, it's, it's the wrong season, buddy. He said, uh, Dad, I, I don't care. I, I, I want to take it. I think it'll be fun taking it down down the, the sand slopes, dunes, whatever they're called. And I was like, okay, listen, whatever. You want to take it, that's fine. And so we packed it in. We got to Bodega Bay. I had to drag that dumb snow sled from the parking lot to the sand. And, and we finally got there. We climbed up to the, the, the top of like the sand dune. And my son is like, all right, Dad, this is going to be awesome. We're, it's going to go so, it's going to be amazing. And so we're on the top of the sand dune, right? And, um, and my son sits down. He's like, Daddy, Daddy, hold this. Make sure it doesn't go down. Like, make sure, I'll let you know, Dad, when, he's like, oh, just parent. Like, Dad, I will let you know when to let go. But don't let go, Dad, until, until I tell you to let go. And I'm like, okay, okay, just sit down, chill, you know? And he's like, Dad, I'm going to count to three. This is a true story. Dad, I'm going to count to three. And then when I get to three, let go. Okay, Dad? One, two. Dad, am I going to be okay? <laughs> Bro, you're going to be fine. Okay, Dad, here we go. One, two. Dad, you ready? I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I've been ready. Three, let go, Dad. And I, 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 I let go of the slide, and you would not believe what happened. It didn't move. And then he started sitting down. He's like, <laughs> trying to, trying to, Dad, it's not working. I said, I told you that. I said, son, it was meant for the snow, not for the, it's in the wrong season, bud. But, Dad, I wanted it to go down. And he was just, he was really bummed out that this snow sled didn't work in the summer season. And here's why I tell you that, because I think this is very, uh, this, this is in exactly what we're talking about today. This idea that not every activity is meant for every season. I'll say that again. Not every activity is meant for every season. In fact, we read this in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter one, chapter three, excuse me. Uh, it's written by the same author that uh, uh, King Solomon. He says this, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. Listen, not every activity is meant for every season. Not all activity is meant for every season. And I know that when I say this, there's a little bit of tension that goes on with this idea. There's a little bit of tension with the idea because the world, right, like culture, society, they, 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 the culture says, hey, don't worry about the season. Just however you feel. If you feel like bringing your snow sled to the sand, do it. Do whatever you feel, however you want, whatever you want to do, just, just do it. And there's this tension. There's this, this tension that goes on. And so for a lot of us, myself included, we make decisions based off of our feelings. 
rather than understanding the season. And feelings, and, and when, the, when our feelings, the way that we feel, the things that we want, when they don't come to fruition, what happens? We get frustrated. We get angry. We get bitter. We, we, we get jealous. This idea of understanding that, that God has designed seasons for us to understand and to, to identify so that we know where we're headed that when we hit a speed bump, it's not like, oh, I gotta be, I have to feel let down, but understanding, hey, this might not be the season for this. And this lens, this is the lens really that we're that we're focusing this topic of dating and courtship through, this idea of, of seasons rather than than feelings. In fact, dating, you may not have known, maybe you have known this, knew this, but dating is actually kind of a new thing, a new term, okay? Uh, it actually started in the 1920s, but everything before 1920, it, it almost modeled itself around like biblical courtship. This idea that I'm going to jump into a relationship, not just to test the waters, but because I actually see potential and what we can do. And I know what you're saying, John, you're so antiquated. That, that, that doesn't work now. But what if, what if it does work? What if God's way does know better? Like, like, what if God does know better than the philosophers of MTV? Like, what, what, if, what if God does understand something just a little bit better? And so, and so he, here's, this, here's this idea that, that when we look at relationships, when we look at courtship, that we're not focusing it through the lens of culture dating. Because here, here's, what, here's how I think the idea of culture and, and telling us how to date really doesn't work. is because it, it lets us want to go taste everything before we purchase. It kind of reminds me of my, of my wife at the yogurt shop. We, we get in there, she's like, let me get them sample cups. And she gets all these sample cups, she's, she's testing out different, and I'm like, babe, you, you know what that one tastes like. She's like, but I want to make sure. She's like, she's like, like five cents, like everything. She said, she's ten, and I'm like, babe, chill, okay? She's like, I'm full, I don't need anything now. I'm like, ghetto. <laughs> But, but it's, it's this idea that, that, that and then she's like, I, I want to make sure that when I, when I feel the cup that I'm about to purchase, I want to make sure it's the right one. And so she's testing everything out. And I think that's a perfect example of culture in how they're selling dating for us. And so we're, we're not going to look at the way that culture defines dating. We're going to actually look at courtship, this idea, what God has established. And we're going to look at his word. Because I believe that if we can, if God can identify this in his word, like if we can trust him that there are seasons that we're supposed to be in, then we can trust that it may, we, not, we may not be where we want to be yet, but we will end up where we're supposed to be eventually. Seasons. And so we're going to be looking at three seasons this morning. I'm going to try to go through them real quick. Three seasons of, of that, that, that is modeled for us in this Song of Solomon. And so we're going to start off at Solomon, Songs, of, Songs of Songs, chapter 2, uh, verse 8. This is right where we left off from last week. 
And it says this. This is, this is the woman speaking. Look, listen. There's my lover. Do you see him come and vaulting the mountains, leaping the hills? Here's what's going on. They're about to go on their first date. They're, they're about to go on this, their first courting. And, and she's at home and she's waiting. And she looks out the window. And she sees him coming and she's like, oh, there's my man. Oh, look at him just. Mama, come look what I did. You'll be proud of me, mama. Look how handsome he is. This is what's going on right here. She, she's, she's looking and she's like, look at him. He can leap tall buildings in a single bound. And then watch what else she says. My, oh, my lover is like a gazelle. <laughs> Graceful. Excuse me, graceful like a young stag, virile. So that word right there, and I maybe pronounced it wrong, it's this idea of like the strength, this this oomph about. So she's like, look at my man. He's so, That's what she's saying. Look at him there and, and on tiptoe. So she notices, he gets up to the gate. He gets up to the gate and, and she knows that he's peering, looking for her. He's excited to see her. The gate, all ears, all eyes ready. My lover has arrived and he's speaking to, dot, 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 speaking to me. I'm going to look at my nose. <laughs> my lover has arrived and he's speaking to me. And she's excited. He's here. My Superman, my perfection. He's amazing. He's no flaws. He's perfect. He's here. And then it's like the camera stops. The director's like, cut. Camera to the guy. And that's the next verse, I believe. This is the guy speaking. Get up, my dear. <laughs> right? Like this. I am here to take you away. Like, it's like this Disney prince guy that's. Like, I, I, you guys get the picture. Like, he's like, I'm here to take you away. Let's go to Cheesecake Factory. Like, this is what's happening right now. He's excited. He's there, and she's there. And he, and she looks at him like, oh, you're so, you're so perfect. She's enamored with his perceived perfection. So here's the first season for all you note takers. The season of perfection. The season of thinking that, that person is perfect. Actually, this is something that we go through all throughout life in every aspect of life. Isn't it true? Like you just start a new job and you're like, this is the best job ever. My coworkers are perfect. I love this. Ah, and then you let time go by. What happens? I hate you. <laughs> oh, I'm going to kill my boss. Right? Like, come on. This Church. For those of you that have been here, you, when you first started, you're like, oh, this is the perfect church. This is where my family and I are going to plant our roots and we're going to grow. 
and, and God and, and praise God. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, man, this ain't perfect. Which, by the way, I'll be the first one to let you know, we ain't perfect. And And so, so we see this in life, but we also see this, we see this a lot in relationships. So I don't do a lot of this, but uh, in premarital counseling, you see this a lot. Like, well, the, 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 the cute couples, they come in, the gazelle, they're like, my, my man is so perfect. He's, a, he's amazing. And I, we, I do an assignment with, with them. I'm like, hey, okay, so here's what we're going to do. Where next week, I want you to list the things that just bug you about them, okay? Like the things that, and so we come back the next week, and I'm like, do you guys make your list? I'm like, I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> he's just so perfect. I'm like throwing up in my mouth. Like, no, he's not. No, he's, he's just amazing. Ah, oh, he's just, ah. I got to sit through this, people. I'm just kidding if you're here and I did that for you. I love it. I love it. Praise God. We actually have pastors now to do that. And so, praise God. <laughs> and so this season of preparation, it needs to be identified because if we don't identify it, we're going to go around making decisions based off of the perception that this person is perfect. And it's going to make us say things and do things that maybe is not the right time because we think that they're perfect. Actually, the relationships, they have a, they have a saying for this. It says this, love is, love is blind. Because it's true. Oh, they're so perfect. Shut up. They ain't perfect. <laughs> He's just so amazing. He's just so, she's just, she's, a, she's she makes me, she completes me. <laughs> and if we're not careful, love is blinding. And it can make you do things that, man, you just, you never thought you would do. Come on, my married couples know what's up. Come on, because that husband, that wife, that la- ladies, that, that man was perfect when you first met him. You were like, oh, I found me a good one, mama. And then you've been married, and you're like, mm, I don't know. Come on, can I get an amen from the ladies? Come on, all the husbands. Y'all know what's up. You're like, oh, she's the best. She's a ride or die, right? Like, whatever that means. <laughs> But she ain't perfect. Quiet. <laughs> the husbands are smart. They're like. Mm. But but what do you do? What do you do when when what do you do when you are in this season of when, when love is blinding? How do you respond to that? Because again, we have to respond to it, otherwise, we're making decisions off of false claims. Here's the, here's the first one. You limit your time. Limit your time. I, I, I really don't like this point because this is what my mom was telling me all throughout high school. 
I'm like, Mom, I just want to hang out with her. You don't need to. But Mom, I haven't seen her. You saw her last week. You'll be fine. <laughs> I'm like, no, Mom, but my heart is melting. I can't take it. I can't breathe. <laughs> but, but check this out. At the beginning... Time feeds a fallacy of perfection. Time feeds a fallacy of perfection. And so if you can limit yourself with the time spending, this idea that you can hopefully begin to, to not just view them as a perfect person, but to understand maybe, maybe there's more. Maybe there's things I need to see now that, that I can't see when, I, when I'm... Up close, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta remove myself just a little bit. So that's the first one. Limit your time. Limit your talk. That's a big one. How many times have we said "I love you"? Oh, too fast, too soon. We just met. Come on, fellas. We don't need to be spreading false words that 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 are too soon. It's a season. So limit your talk. Limit your time. Limit your touch. Hello. Limit your touch. I remember when I was in, um, when I was in uh, youth group, my youth pastor, he told me, he said something along the lines of, if the person that you're dating right now is not your wife, then that means your wife is somewhere else out there dating someone else, maybe. And so... It would be wise for you to treat that girl who's not your wife, who's someone else's wife eventually, the same way that you want whoever's with your wife now to treat her. Come on, we got to limit our touch. Season of perfection. To, to, draw, to step back and, and to begin to, to not just see the person as this, ah, but to realize, man, we all got flaws. We all got issues, myself included. There's no such thing as a perfect person. And so that's, that's number one, season of perfection. And then we keep reading. And in verse 11, this is the woman speaking. She says, look around you. Winter is over. The winter rains are over and gone. So when I think of winter, I don't think about playing outside. I think about being inside. Staying inside. Work, be, be, being on, on, the, on the, working on the inside. And so basically what she's saying, this is an allegory of, of her saying, hey, there is a season where we can just work on ourself. That, that she, she's like, the winter is over. So you had spent time working on who you are as an individual. Next, next slide. Spring flowers are in blossom all over. The whole world's a choir. Here she goes again. La, 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 la. And singing. Spring warblers or songbirds are filling the forest with sweet arpeggios. And so what she's saying basically is, is that you were, you were gone in the wintertime. So there was, an, there was a season where he was working on himself. But now she's like, hey, now I want to see what that looks like. 
You had an opportunity to work on yourself. Now there should be a change about you. It's a different season. It's a different time. She's like, there's, there's uh, spring flowers are in blossom. Could I say this? That uh, the flowers that are produced in the spring are a byproduct of what's taking place in the winter. And, and, and so this idea of winter, of working on yourself, getting yourself better. Watch what she says in verse 14. Come, my shy and modest dove. Leave your seclusion. So she's calling out to him. Come out in the open. I want to see you. I want to see the change in you. I want to see, I want to see when you were gone in the winter and you were working on yourself. I want to see what it looks like. She said, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is soothing and your face is ravishing. Was that weird? That was weird. I shouldn't have done that. So here, here's the second season. Season number two. Season of preparation. Season of preparation. Prepped season leads to a blessed season. Prepped season, that's in your notes. Prepped season leads to a blessed season. So Solomon, he, he, he went away. He worked on, on the inside of himself to get better so that when he came back, he was a different person. He was a little bit changed, a little better. And so the prep season can sometimes seem like a wasted season. See, so the, in your notes it says prep season. Prep season leads to a blessed season, but sometimes the prep season doesn't seem like a blessed season. It seems like a wasted season. Like when we take the time to work on ourselves, doesn't it just sometimes feel like it's a waste of time? See, because society, culture, they, they, they've, they've almost taught us this idea that, uh, that the prepped season is a wasted season. That, that don't, don't work, you don't have to work on yourself right now. It'll be okay. You'll be fine. And we look at this season, this preparation season, and we're like, oh, man, I hate it. This is the worst season ever. But there is something in this season that God wants to do in the preparing season, the preparation season, the season of prepping that God wants to do to continue to make you better, make me better, to mold us, to shape us into something better, right? And so... So society's like, hey, forget the season of preparation because they sell us this. They sell us this. Because until you find someone else, you will never be complete. And that scares us a lot. And so what we do is, is we're like, okay, you're right. You're right. And so we grab our stuff. We grab all of, our, all of our insecurities and our hardships and our baggage. And we're like, man, I'm not going to work on myself. I just got to, I, I need to be complete. And so we're dragging along. And then we, we meet someone who, who over here is not wanting to, to, to jump into the preparation season. They just want to bring their stuff. And then you two meet. And you're like, oh, we met each other. We're in love. And I get it. I get it. Like, John, John, shut up. You're married. You don't understand. No, I, I get it. I understand. But this idea that we could begin to acknowledge and, and, and understand that, 
that there is a season of preparation. There is a, there is a season where we have the opportunity to, to, to begin to work on ourselves. See, and I, and I want to myth bust this idea that someone else can complete you. That is false. That is from the pit of hell. That is a lie of the enemy. There is no man, there is no woman that can complete you. There's only one person that completes you, and his name is Jesus. And so you... So listen, you don't have to listen to culture. You don't have to listen to society about, about hey, you got to find that one. You got to fill that void. No, you don't. Because if there's seasons, and if I'm trusting Jesus for every season, then I'm going to trust him that he's going to put me in the right season. And when I'm in the right season, whatever he's wanting to do in that season, I will say, all right, God, that... I'm all yours. The prep season. Season of preparation. Listen, I, I want to say to you, I know winter is hard. I know this season of preparation is hard and it's long. But if you could remain faithful and if you can take this opportunity to say, God, what can I do to make me better? What can I do to, to make me whole? God, what areas can you fix in me? God, what are some things in my life that you need to remove? Because it's not about finding the best person. It's about you becoming the best person. And it will draw the, other, the best person to you. I promise. Season of preparation. And then we get to verse 15. This is the woman speaking. She says, then you must protect me from the foxes. Foxes on the prowl. Foxes who would like nothing better than to get into our flowery garden. So the foxes, they were notorious for sneaking into the garden and, and stealing. Like they would take fruit that's not yet ripe, fruit that's not yet ready. And they would take it, and they would run away. And so what she's saying here is basically what you're thinking right now. She's saying there are things that are trying to take something that is not yet right, that is not yet ready. There is things that are trying to rob me, that, that are trying to take my, my, my sexuality of, of, out of it. And just, there, are things that, that, there are things that are trying to rob me, and it's not, I'm not ready yet. Whether it's a person, whether it's a guy or a girl, and they're trying to, to, to force you to do something that, that's just not right. She's saying, protect me from the foxes. And so here's the third season. Our last season, season of purity, season of purity. Now, if you feel like you're, you're here and you're not pure, hey, get in line with the rest of us. I want you to understand that, that this right here is not to bring any condemnation to anyone. 
myself included. Because I know that we serve a Jesus that wants to wipe and erase those things that has robbed us prematurely. That whatever your past is, it doesn't matter. Because Jesus, he's so in love with you. And he wants to restore what was taken from you prematurely. Because he loves you. He loves you. So the season of purity, season of purity. When I was 19, um, so, so I'll start off with this. Like I've never struggled with drugs. I've never struggled with, with alcohol. But I've always struggled with my purity in relationships. And, and so like I get this. Like I understand I understand of doing things, man, that I wish I didn't do. But I'm so glad Jesus makes all things new. Come on, somebody. He makes all things new. But, but he, here's kind of the catch-22, if you will. Is that just because he makes us new doesn't mean we can continue to put ourselves in situations and paths that would continue to challenge us see when I was 19 someone told me this I, I don't remember a youth pastor or I don't remember who it was but they said this John understand that purity is not a position it's a process purity is not a position but a process See, we think that one day we'll get to this place where like, I'm pure. <laughs> I can do anything, watch anything, hang around with anyone, and I will be fine. Purity is not a position. It's a process. It's this idea that God wants to work in your heart and your mind and continue to, to, to wash and continue to stretch and continue to make you better. It's a process. It's a process. So how do we do that? How, how do we... How do we make it a process? Here's just a couple things. These are not in your notes. but uh, The first one is this. We put perimeters around our passions. We all have passions. I have passions. You have passions. We gotta learn to understand that some of those passions, if passion was a flame, was a fire, some of those passions were never meant to leave the fireplace. We gotta know our parameters, put, put things around us that know, that, that can help us to, to understand this process, this season of purity. You gotta have the right people around you. You gotta have people in your life that 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 ha that you have given permission to say, "Hey, I want you to check up on me. I want you to I want you to ask me how I'm doing. I want you to ask me what I'm going through, what I'm struggling with." You gotta have those people in your life. 
we set parameters and, and we got to know and I said this before I said it probably four times today but you have to understand that Jesus makes all things new I need to emphasize that this morning because I understand what it's like to to feel heavy hearted to feel weighted down like oh I messed up so many times how can God ever forgive me how can God ever love me how can he ever wash me but I'm telling you He makes all things new. And he closes with this, chapter 3 and verse 5. He ends the same way that he ended last week. He says, Oh, let me warn you, sisters in Jerusalem, by the gazelles, yes, by all the wild deer, don't excite love, don't stir it up until the time is right and you're ready. In other words, he's saying, don't let people push you into something that isn't the right season. You'll know the season. You'll know it's when it's right. Don't let people try to trick you. Come on, we, we got to get to that place. In life, not just in relations, not just in dating relationships, in marriage relationships, but in relationships altogether. We got to understand that. That, that we don't go off of feelings, but we go off of seasons. Come on, somebody. Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe, and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.